Well, grab your Bibles and turn to Job chapter 1. And today, if uh, you came and you forgot your Bible or left your Bible at home, uh, we've got some people with some Bibles you are welcome to borrow for today. If uh, you don't have a Bible, you do now, because you can keep the one they've got and are handing out is our gift. And uh, we just want people with the Bible. And I'll tell you, for me personally, it is a really big deal for me. I want your eyes and your hands on a Bible. I want to be able to do it where you are looking in your Bible, you're used to it, you're working it, you're turning pages in it, you're seeing the words, you're loving it, you're eating it up, and you're chewing it, and you're taking it in. And because uh, the Bible's a big deal. Hey, wasn't that a great time of worship? Uh, when you think of worship, we want to be a place that is not only a place that worships our great God here, right here. We want to be a place that is about discipling people to be 24-7 worshipers of God through everyday life. And here's my challenge for us today. The challenge is this. Choose to be a worshiper. Choose to be a worshiper. Now we usually think of worship as just what we did, and that is part of worship. But God has created us to be 24-7, non-stop worshipers. And yet, like me, that is a challenge, isn't it? I mean, think of it. At the mall, oh, there's a big challenge. In the car, at home, at work, at the Colts game, um, everywhere. God wants us to be worshipers of him. And so what does that look like? Well, we're going to go to Job chapter 1 and take a look at a man, not to exalt the man again, but to exalt the big God of the man. And just be able to look at one time in his life and glean some truth from him so that we can this week be able to run out of these doors, cranked up and better equipped to be 24-7 worshipers of Jesus Christ this week. You want to do that? Good, because we're going to, okay? We're going to do that. But let's do this. Let's go to prayer and ask for God's help because we need his help, right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you. The fact of the matter is we don't deserve to. There's nobody in this room that deserves to be able to call you Father, that deserves to be able to call you Savior, that deserves even to be able to sing the things that we sang about you. You're big. You're real big. And we are. God, today, help us. Help us to see you bigger. And help us just to get juice for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go. You ready? Hearts open. Eyes ready. Let's go. Job chapter 1. In Job chapter 1, verse 1. There's really three scenes in Job chapter 1. And uh, let's just get at it. Job chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Now, I want to pause here for a minute. Uh, actually, just so that you're aware, we're going to spend a lot of time in verse 1. Okay? And when you look at the time we're going to spend this morning, there's going to be a good chunk of time in verse 1. Because as I've been studying this passage, verse 1, I think, is absolutely key to what happens later on. 
And one of the things I want to point out as we get started here is there was a man in the land of Uz. Now, be careful. This was not Dorothy's great uncle, okay? In other words, this was not in the land of Oz. This was not a place where there were color-changing horses and there was uh, munchkins and there was a messed-up, whacked-out wizard. That's not the place we're talking about. But I want to be very serious about this fact. We are talking about a real person from a real place and time. Some say that's not the case, but I want to let you know right here, we are talking, viewing this. This is a real person at a real place in time, and that gives us real hope. Because we're not just talking about a fable or an allegory of some cute story. We are talking about a real person, just like you and I. And we are talking about a real person in a real place at a real time, just like you and I. And that gives us hope as we dig into this. Folks, this is for us to be able to learn and grow from. There was a man in the land of Uz. And look what we learn about this uh, from this guy. And that man was four things. He was blameless. He was upright. He was one who feared God, and he turned away from evil. Now, I would propose to you that out of these four things, the first two are the result, the third one is the source, and the fourth one is the action. Let's go back and just kind of tear that down a little bit. Job was the third one, a man who feared God. Job was a man who feared God. Now, there are all kinds of things that people fear that drive their life. Let me give you three examples. The fear of man or the fear of other people. Listen, is not what people think like a massive driving force in how we can oftentimes live? I mean, here, we are all visitors here today, by the way. Isn't that cool? We're all visitors here. We're all in the same place. And yet you come in, it's like, what are people going to think? Or at work, what are people going to think? Or at school teams, what are people going to think about me? And I want to tell you, how people think about us can completely drive how a person lives their life. It'd be dominated by the fear of man. Another is people can fear sadness. In other words, the driving force of their life is my personal happiness. Everything about my life is me being happy. And I'm just going to toss out to you, you know what? The Bible doesn't talk about that being the drive of life. It's not about happiness. But yet, if that's my goal, personal happiness, how you see me live my life out, well, you can trace that reality. Third, on top of that, another one that comes in is the fear of circumstances, the health, wealth, and prosperity issues. In other words, I fear getting cancer. Listen, I don't really want it. I don't know about you, but I'm like not on the bandwagon saying, come bring it to me. Okay? But at the same time, fear of health, fear of loss of wealth, fear of just all the circumstances of life can become such a driving, dominating force in who we are. But Job was not any of those. Job was what? He was a man who feared God. Now, what are we talking about, fear of God? Now, I just want to put this out. I'm a very simple guy. I'm a very simple guy, and I like simple things. So here's how I'm going to define for us today. There's lots of different ways to kind of word fear of God, but here's what I want to do for us, and I need your involvement in this, okay? We're going to do two things to define the fear of God. There's two factors. The first is this, the wow factor. So say wow with me. Okay, what do I mean by that? I mean by this, listen, God is God. Thank you. God is the creator. 
Oh, come on. Listen, God is in charge of all things. You're getting there. Aren't they? God is seated on the throne today and knows you and I are right here this morning. Is that not cool? God knows exactly what's going on in life. God has all things in control of life. And God is God. And the fear of God comes to this wow factor. God. And it's the kind of thing that really, if I could illustrate without crunching thousands of dollars of stuff, if I could do it where it's like, wow, it's like it's drawing me to him. You're kidding. God, wow. I mean, God. Job saw God as God. Wow, right? But I want to tell you, there's also this other factor that comes along. We're going to call it the oh my factor. Okay, say it with me. Oh my. So what's the first one? Second? Okay, the oh my factor is this. The oh wow is like a drawing force. Wow, whoa. And the oh my factor is, whoa, my. Oh my. Friends, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10 says that all of us, all of us, Stand before God one day and give an account. How do you respond to that? God is love and grace and goodness and and great as you go, wow. And yet the fact of the matter is as well, God is judge. Oh my. Doesn't scripture say that God disciplines his own? Oh my. Oh my. Job feared God. What is it? What is it? Come on, come on. What is it? And it's. know if I'm fearing God? How do I know that? What was the last thing about Job? He shunned evil. He turned away from evil. Here, here's, listen. As you think back in the last week, in the last month of your life, and as you look at your life, let me just ask this. Has your life over the past year even, from last March to right now, has there been change taking place in your life? I'm just Think to yourself, has my life in the last year seen change? I mean real change. In other words, at home as a husband with my wife, are there things different this year in my life than there were last year as a husband? What about as a parent or or as a single? What about as a single? Are there areas of your life? Maybe anger is a struggle for you. Has there been change? And I want to say this, Job, the source, in other words, if we can hit the first one here, The source, I don't have the clicker yet. We'll get that next week. The fear of God is the foundation of my worship. And I know that I'm fearing God when my life is changing. How I think and how I act is becoming more like God would want it to be. Let let me illustrate it this way. 
In other words, it's like this. For us today, we have the scriptures. Job didn't have the complete scriptures that he had. But I'm going to illustrate it this way. In other words, it's like this. When I go through life and I look at life through my eyes, I am bent to wanting everything to be the way I want it. I mean, right, Karen? Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm just bent that way. We're bent that way. And yet it takes discipline. First uh, Timothy 4, 7, train yourselves in godliness. In other words, it's this. It's putting on a biblical view. I don't know if you can see this, but these are little Bibles here on the front. Okay, so if I can illustrate it this way, it's so when I look through life, I normally look through life this way and go, man, what's good for me? What do I like? What do I want people to think of me? What do I want to do? Because it's all about me, isn't it? Is it? I guess not. So, but, that's, but then when I come and I look at life and I go, oh, so that's how God sees me. You mean God wants me to solve problems biblically? You mean God wants me to work on my life? And, and, it, and then it's like, so I'm just going to put it this way. Are you doing more of this this year than last year? This is what we want to be doing. Seeing life and situations through the lens of the scriptures, through the lens of a great awe, wow, God. Job feared God and turned away from evil. And what was the result? The first two things. Blameless and upright. Now, blameless, the word for blameless is talking about consistent integrity. It's the real deal. It's genuine character of integrity. I kind of put it this way. In many ways, it's the horizontal factor. Job was a real deal integrity guy. I mean, he wasn't perfect. He was a real deal integrity guy. Why? Because he feared God and he turned away from evil. And the result of that is a life that is blameless. And what was the second thing? He was upright. The word upright has to do with the fact of it's a right relationship with God. He's conformed to God's standards. So Job, if you will, was the vertical and the horizontal going on. Can we just say, God, by your grace, would you help me become more like that? And where does it start? Oh my. Question. How big is your God? How big is God? How big is your view of God? We're growing and changing. And God doesn't want perfect people. Oh, he'd love perfect people, but he knows that we aren't. He's looking for people who are growing and changing to be more like Christ. And this year, is God bigger this year than last year? Job feared God, turned away from evil, and was blameless and upright. Okay, put on a seatbelt, because the rest of the verses are going to start being run through. You ready? But do you have an idea of Job? By the way, say this with me. Big God. To Job, God was big, wasn't he? To, to Job, how did Job see God? Big God. Okay? Verse 2. And we're scooting from here, folks. Let's learn a few more things about Job. Here we go. Verse 3. He possessed 7,000 sheep. I'm sorry, verse 2. There were born to him seven sons, three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 
500 female donkeys and very many servants. I would think so. That's a lot of animals. By the way, if, if you've driven up to Chicago back and forth, I've done it a few times here and there. And uh, north of Lafayette, about Rensselaer, there's a place called Fair Oaks Farms. Have you ever been there at the little stop off the exit? I love that place. Best Munster cheese in the world. Okay, I, for me, I just love that stuff. It's a, you got to stop there. Well, I got on the website and took a look at Fair Oaks Farms. Fair Oaks Farms has, at least at that time, has about 12,000 head of cattle, milking cows. That's a lot of cattle. Now, I did not grow up on a farm. Uh, our family, when our kids were young in 4-H, we had two sheep um, for a while. Uh, so that's the, I admit, that's the extent of my farmage. Um, we had two sheep. But I want to tell you, 12,000 head of cattle, that's a lot of cattle. Okay? And in fact, at Farrell's Farms, it said it has 1,120,000 square foot of barn space. That is a honking big building. Okay, It's actually like eight buildings, and they may have expanded it since then. But it's huge. Get this. Job's head of livestock was about the same size. And I want to tell you something. Pharaoh's Farms is viewed as a significantly sized farm. And go back thousands of years, and Job had 11,000 head of animals. Hey, listen. This guy, in reality, was a tycoon. I mean, he was a big business mogul. This boy was rich. Okay? He was very rich. And why didn't God just say, the boy was really, really rich? We're going to take a look here in a little bit and see it, but we'll keep these in mind. Job had 11,000 animals and the servants that take care of it and the kids. And we could say, Riley, God blessed Job. God had blessed Job. Okay? Let's keep on going. Oh, and by the way, businessmen and women, how cool is this? A business mogul. A business tycoon, a businessman who feared God. We need more of those. Hey, listen, if you're in business, if you're in the workforce, you're not just a worker. You're a full-time servant for Jesus Christ, if you know him as your Savior. Okay? You just got a different career avenue. Anyway. Let's keep on going. Verse 5, and when the days of the feast, I'm sorry, let's go to verse 4. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one of his, on his day. And they would send and invite these, their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. And I don't have time to go into it deep, but let me just kind of summarize it this way. Job was functioning as an Old Testament priest to his family and dedicating them, consecrating, setting them aside before God. And by the way, these were not like drunken binge parties that were going on. These were the kinds of things, even in the wording, it gives the idea that the brothers were inviting the sisters. This is a family celebration. It's kind of like after the birthday party, celebrating together, Job made sure. Job had provided for his kids immense, wonderful things. But what was the thing Job was most intense about? 
when it always came right back to it. He wanted to make sure that his family saw and knew and followed under the fear of God. Listen, let's just sum it up this way. Scene one, Job was a man, and it's not to exalt him. It's a big God. Job was a man in his personal life who saw God big. Job was a man who in his business life saw God big. Job was a man in his family life who saw God big. Big God, right? Big God. Okay, scene one. Let's go to scene two. Here we go. We have just moved from the land of Uz to the throne of heaven. Here we go. Let's take a look. And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Uh, This is like the angels coming to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. Oh, listen, I thought this is one freaky thing going on here that I don't fully get the whole deal. But I just want to let you know, this is really cool. I mean, here the angels and Satan himself is coming before God to present himself before God. I mean, you can hear the drum roll. You can just hear the thing going on. What's going to happen? Is it going to be smacked down? I mean, what's going on here? Okay, here they come. Let's keep on reading. The Lord said to Satan, um, from where have you come? Do you think God knew? Okay, the scriptures tell us that God is omniscient. He knows all things. Okay, God knew what was going on. It's just, it's just, I think this is just cool stuff. And Satan answered the Lord and said, I'm going to kind of embellish this a little bit, okay? Oh, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and walking down. You liar. True, but not quite the truth. Satan is what? He's the adversary. He's like a roaring lion walking around, waiting for those he can jump at and devour. Uh, Satan, where have you, what have you been doing? Uh, on a walk? Dude, no. You have been out looking for people and just pouncing on them and just waiting for the time to take them down. That's what's going on here. And yet he puts on his burning halo and tries to have this thing that's taking place. Just an incredible incident. If I were God right at that moment, bazam. Um, But God's got a better plan. Okay? Uh, Verse 8. And the Lord said to Satan, how cool is this? Have you considered my servant Job? Friends, just for a minute. That means that God has considered his servant Job. Wow. You know, it's really easy to think that God just has no idea what's going on in my life. I mean, there's like bazillions of us. How can he keep us all straight? That's exactly it. That is exactly it. The hope, friends, God knows exactly what is going on in your life. God knows exactly what is going on in your head and in your heart. God knows. And that gives us great hope. Wow! And also, oh my. (laughs) Because I would really like some whiteout if I could on some areas here in my life. But God knows. God, so he says this thing, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth. 
see and look. Look at this. God says this about Job. He is a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Is that not a lot? Wouldn't you want God to say that about you? I would. God notices. Listen, just so right now, this is a connection. The, the hope, got it? The plan of God is the hope of my worship. Listen, God knows exactly what's going on. And let's just, with that in mind, let's keep on going. Verse 9, then Satan answered the Lord and said, uh, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You know, he's actually got a good point. You have blessed the work of his hands. Well, yes, God has. And his possessions have increased in the land. True, true. Verse 11, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Ooh, boy. The challenges are going on here. Verse 11. Now, verse 12, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. Whoa. A reminder. Everything we have is in God's hand. Are you okay with that? Sometimes I think I am. Other times I'm not so sure. I mean, here is a sovereign God who is allowing Satan to go at this guy. And we don't have time to dig in. Another day, we'll dig into this issue. But the sovereignty of God is just huge, folks. And I don't know what's going on in your life or where you're coming from, but I just want you to know this. A sovereign God knows exactly what's going on in your life and has allowed it for his ultimate glory. Wow. Oh, my. And by the way, P.S., Job knows nothing of this going on. Job's just down there delegating responsibilities and watching livestock and cash flow, which is a very important thing for a business person to be doing. Okay? Theme three. Back to the land of Ur. Here we go. Now, there was a day. By the way, did you notice in the very beginning there was a man? Then scene two, verse six, there was a day, and now we have another day. There was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And, verse 14, there came a messenger to Job and said, By the way, before we go any farther, Bruce, will you put up the thing? Let's remind us of the inventory. We've got seven sons, three daughters, sheep servants, camel servants, oxen servants, and donkey servants. Okay, let's follow these. By the way, how many of these did he have? About 11,000. You know, again, why would God put the numbers in? I think part of the reason is we're going to see the devastating reality of what's about to take place. And why did God list those animals? Well, let's take a look at what takes place. The Bible is so cool. That's part of my point here. The Bible is just so cool and why God listed the things that he lists in it. Now, let's take a look. The first messenger comes. He's just doing his thing, watching the cash flow, running his business. And a messenger comes to Job and says, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Okay, inventory number one. 
the donkeys and the oxen and the servants are gone. They took the donkeys, they took the oxen, and they killed the servants. They killed his employees. And there's a group of people that came in and did this. And that's messenger number one. Then verse 16, messenger number two. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God fell from heaven. By the way, that's not as much we would think of lightning. It's, it's likely some say that has more possibly to do with like a burning desert wind that just comes and just comes and just, just fries everything up in its way. Okay, so this, so this burning uh, fire from God comes from heaven and burns up the sheep and the servants. Inventory, more gone. Thousands. And by the way, first was people coming, the second was nature coming. And who's at the source of all of this happening? Ah, good. I heard some saying, well, Satan is, and I agree, because God allowed him to do it. But ultimately, who's allowing this to happen? Well, that's not fair. Before I forget, just with that, we think that oftentimes, don't we? I mean, we just do. God, why? I mean, Norm's had some physical problems here lately. He was at the doctor the other day. God, why? Can I just say, picture yourself standing before the throne, and what's the fuss with God there? God, what is your deal? Why would you let this happen in my life? I think here's going to be the response. Wow. Oh, my. Okay. God, how could you take that away? Why would you allow that to happen? God, I don't get this. Oh, okay. And we just have this tendency to want to, like, go to God, off the throne, and just come over and and just sit on it. Right? I just want to bring back, God is in control. God sees things from a linear perspective of eternity. We struggle with seeing things from a dot perspective, just my lifetime. And God is looking at things from a linear perspective of what's going on, from the purposes of glorifying him for eternity. And I just want to say, folks, if you right now, if in your life you have just been, in person, and just God, and honestly, small God, I would just call you to repent. Because your issue is with God. And God is in control. And God's working it. He's using it. Why? How? I don't know why. I don't know exactly how. But it's for his good and for our growth. And I'm okay with that. Most of the time. (laughs) Okay? Well, let's keep on going. Inventory, messenger number two came. Messenger number three, verse 17. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you, the camels are gone. Look at this. His entire business in a day is shot. Gone. What would you be thinking? I used to be in business. I owned a business with my brother for 20 years and was in it. And I got to tell you, if all of a sudden someone came in and told me with all our employees and everything going on and said, hey, Doug, Dave, by the way, uh, business is gone. I'm like, say, what? It was 21 years of work in that thing. You're crazy. And boom, these are just wiped out. 
But I want to tell you, look at messenger number four. Messenger number four. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, your sons and daughters are eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a great wind came from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, and they fell. Question. If this happened in your life, what would you and I be doing? What would you and I be thinking? How big is God right now? I mean, when all the sheepies and all the oxies and all the camelies and all these things are out there and you're out there loving it and going, and then they're gone, how big is God then? How big is God then? Listen, in trials, our theology comes to the forefront. It is really easy to say, big God, yeah, wow God, oh my, man, yeah, <laughs> stock market's going down, but it's not crashed yet. But when it all falls apart, how big is God then? Listen, let's just take, close out here and take a look at Job. Because this is about a person who chooses to worship the Lord. Let's finish, verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and worshipped. You have got to be kidding me. Now, I want for you to understand, if you look at that, he, he, he tore his robe. Oh, the grief. This was not some guy like, oh, well, you win him, you lose him. Listen, that was not at all what's taking place here. Job tears his robe, and then he shaves his head. Now, shaving your head takes time, especially when you don't have fist or scissors or an electric shear. I mean, back in those days, it's like, what, you use a rock or a stick? or I'm just kidding. You know, it's like the process of shaving your hair, just that alone. I mean, what's he thinking while he's doing that? Do you think it's like, God, why? Uh, let me bring this back. God, why? Oh. But God, I don't, what's going on? Wow. God, this hurts. This is anguish. This is horrible. God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't even know what you're doing. But you are big, right? Who's big? God is big. Wow. Oh, my. It's not about patting Job on the back. It's about admiring the fact that he was one who sought to be a 24-7 worshiper of God. And when all hell broke loose, Job knew God was still on the throne, even if he didn't get it. And that was okay. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord. But the things revealed belong to us. Hey, are you okay with the fact of not knowing why? I mean, it's for God's glory. We know why. But, I mean, the details of it. Be okay with it. Listen, submission to God is a response of our worship. 
And Job just comes in and goes, big God. Wow. Oh, my. Whatever God brings his way. Now, read the rest of the story because uh, Job struggles later on. One of my favorite couple passages in the Bible is Job chapter 38 through 42. God sits Job down. And he helps him a little bit to get his theology back in place. Read Job 38 through 42. You know what it's all about? God saying, Job, I'm a big God. And live with that. By the way, it's a good thing living with a big God. Okay? It's a good thing. Listen, this week, as we head out, let's be worshipers of him. Let's be the kind of people that choose to worship. A couple suggestions. I would really encourage you to just take some time away. Just take some downtime, some peace time. Just get some alone time. Shave your head time if you want. And just wrestle through in your mind. Where am I at? How big is God to me, really? I mean, really. I, I mean, really. How big is God to me? And just fall on our knees and just, God, help me to see you bigger. God, help me to see you bigger. Through the week, here's one of those suggestions I would have for you. Get three post-it notes and write on it this, how big. I actually was going to put post-it notes in your harvest update and didn't get to that point. But get three post-it notes and write how big, question mark. Put one on the mirror. One on the fridge, or it doesn't have to be, one wherever, and then one at work. Well, maybe it's in the car. Just as a way as through the week reminding, hey, how big is God to me right now? How big, God? How big, God? How big, God? And just a practical tool to help you through the week. Finally, I just want to let you know this. Harvest is all about helping people grow as worshipers of Christ. And when we talk about worship Christ, one of the things we mean is here on Sunday mornings. We want to be a church that is all about, on Sunday mornings, not just emotionally firing you up, not the fake stuff, but the real kind of stuff where it's like, this is about Jesus. You come, you get fed. We have time to worship. By the way, don't leave the hurts of life out there. Bring them in and worship God in the pain. Job did, and we want this to be a place where you come every week, and we come together, and we worship Christ, and we worship the Godhead, and we thank God for what's what, to help us get our eyes back on focus, to help us strengthen where we're at, so that this week we bust the doors down as we go out and live life for the other 24-7 in the week. We want to be worshipers of Christ here, and we want to develop worshipers of Christ all the time. Hey, listen, be encouraged, and be encouraged by this. There is a great, big God. As the worship team comes up to close us out here, I just want to uh, implore you and encourage you. Would this week be the kind of week where you are purposed to seeing God big? I mean, really big. 
really, really big, whatever he brings your way. Let's pray, and then we'll close out in a song together. Lord God, thank you for being big, and frankly, Lord, forgive us for seeing you small. Lord, we need your help. We want to see you big. We want to honor you. We want to be able to be the kind of people who, like Job, see you big and live it out. Father, I pray this week, maybe there are some specific things in our life that this week we need to turn away from. We need to put off some things and put on righteousness. Lord, would your spirit help us? And also in the reality of it all, as well as would we discipline ourselves to do it? Wow. You are God. Oh, my. You are God. Big God, right? Big God, right? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.